there and welcome to The Recommendation Game, a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen, we watch it, and then we Skype to discuss it. I am Orla McLeanis, joined by... Ricardo Deacon. This week's film is Galaxy Quest from 1999. In the far reaches of the galaxy... A civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. He will save us. Jason Nesmith, the star of a television series, receives a call for help from a group of aliens. Now he and his co-stars have to defend the aliens against an alien warlord. The film was directed by Dean Parasot, produced by Mark Johnson and Charles Neuwirth, screenplay by David Howard and Robert Gordon, story by David Howard, starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell and Daryl Mitchell, music by David Newson, cinematography by Jerzy Zielinski and edited by Don Zimmerman. So uh, why did you pick this film? I picked it because, uh, like you said, we haven't done any like 90s movies in a while Mm -hmm. but also i don't think that we've done any like proper just hollywood film kind of crowd pleaser not meant to be anything but entertainment but just well written uh, solid premise and a stellar cast and then good music good special effects and then you spend like an hour and a half two hours and your brain shuts off for a bit and then you come out of it and you go like Oh, that was rather good. And you feel good about it. And I thought that, like, sometimes, like, movies should also do that. I was tempted to watch, like, Funny and Alexander the other day, though, which is, like, four hours long, uh, the Ingrid Bergman movie. And then I was like, uh, let's go and watch uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music instead. <laughs> which is directed by the same man, the director Galaxy Quest. Uh, uh, but I think Galaxy Quest is one of those movies as well that... Uh, has uh, what Hollywood used to go for a lot that was like somebody will come up with a fucking kick-ass premise (laughs) and then you just made the movie. You know, it's not like nowadays you you come up with a kick-ass premise and then you get put on staff to be like the 12th writer in the fucking Marvel movie or something and then it's like they kick the shit out of your... Uh, all the the fucking creativity that you have and then you go and you do like an indie movie for $15,000 or something and then that's your career now and then you end up being a fucking... Then you make a Godzilla movie. (laughs) Yes. uh, Just shout out um, to also just before I forget to Guardians of the Galaxy that owes a shitload of money to the writers of Galaxy Quest. I think that the but like this movie works number one because the premise is very fucking clever like there's there's that kind of movie that comes like from time to time that you go why did nobody think of this before you know it seems so obvious when you're (laughs) when you when you think about it but like yeah the execution is very good like um, I think that the writing is perfect, like both in not perfect. Uh, I'll come to it in a minute, but it's mostly great. 
like it does like the biggest difficulty that the the movie would have is that it acts it works both as a parody and a send-up for star trek mm-hmm. but is also in itself it works as a star trek movie like straight up kind of thing like with the action and the sets and the the villains and even the uh, Star Trek more than Star Wars uh, deals a lot with uh, the effect of humans interactions with aliens something that obviously the JJ Abrams uh, uh, run sh- uh, series completely disregards for explosions mm-hmm. um, and flair because there's a uh, yeah flair perhaps on the lenses but not in the storytelling but the uh, <laughs> That uh, Star Trek, right. <laughs> the Star Trek used to uh, like, for example, there's a concept in Star Trek that gets completely uh, ignored in later Trek, uh, which is the Prime Directive. That like the it's the idea that if you meet a species that is not developed enough to have space travel or communicate or whatever, you should try your best not to affect its development, because if they mm. know that like it avoids like species becoming too advanced too quickly and not knowing how to use that technology similarly to humans nowadays <laughs> but it's that idea that if you know you can do space travel and you're like in the rock ages then you're like okay like there's something there the like, like you know like stone age or whatever <laughs> rock age sounds way better yeah. like it just like jimmy page rocking around throwing his guitar <laughs> Um, so like there's like so much of like a philosophy and about how your society affects other societies and even though like this movie is not completely focused on that it also hints at that idea how like even beaming information out to space like mm. might be affecting cultures out there that we don't realize that that's happening kind of thing and also how a culture that is completely for example that it's like as technologically advanced as the the thermians are but they're not emotionally advanced like humans are so if they had been like uh, which i'm glad that there's not a sequel to galaxy quest but there would have been like a opportunity to have like okay but now you go and you conquer these people Mm. you know and i think that uh partly like even like you can see some influences like in guardian of the galaxy but also in like thor that his planet mm. gets destroyed and the only people that only people that are left and from the planet are like in this ship kind of thing at the end of thor ragnarok but then uh the beginning also of- rock monster uh, made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> like, there's a lot to 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 unpack there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think also that if you're going to cast uh, somebody that is meant to be a has-been TV actor, asshole kind of stand-in for William Shatner, Tim Allen is your go-to man. Um, uh, I think the... The only two things that he has put his name to that are uh, remotely decent is this and the Toy Story series. Uh, I actually forgot that he was in, <laughs> that he's, uh, what do you call it? Woody? Uh, no, no, Buzz, it's Buzz Lightyear, yeah. He's Buzz, isn't he? Oh, I, uh, I, I forced myself to forget every time that I watch. 
like in Galaxy Quest, it's quite impossible to to do it, but at least he's playing an asshole, so it's kind of like. But yeah, meant to be lovable, so you have some conflict there. But sure. <laughs> what was the name of uh, Tim Allen's current TV show? And uh, Last Man Standing. I'm back. Tim Allen. He's a man's man, but lately he's realizing what happened to men. He's not in a man's world anymore. Yeah, like in Home Improvement, his neighbor is meant to be like really into history or whatever. But all, all he does is ignore <laughs> 50,000 years of human history to pick like the one time that women were wrong about something and men were right and stuff like <laughs> it's uh, interesting. But going back to Galaxy Quest, uh, <laughs> I think that the the cast the casting is absolutely brilliant i think that you know how they say that like casting is half the job when you're directing so like uh from top down like fucking like i said tim allen in most movies would be miscast but he is perfect <laughs> for this part and then you have like sigourney weaver that does a lot when nothing in the script which like she yeah. she papers over a lot of the script's problems because it's Sigourney Weaver and she's a fucking badass it's so, actress it's so offensive though because it is Sigourney Weaver yeah. and you're like give the woman something and also considering that the the, the movie acknowledges that the TV show gave her nothing to do yeah and then gives her nothing to, to do. do so it's kind of like it's not meta enough to be making a point. It's just, uh, I don't know. But then you have like Alan Rickman is absolutely fucking terrific. Both as the, the fucking alien character that he plays and as the fucking the has-been thespian. Uh, Tony Shalhoub is just like wide-eyed wonder, just going along with it. Seems like a big stoner. Just love it. Uh then you have like fucking Sam Rockwell and uh, what's the name of the other guy? Uh, I haven't seen him in anything. Daryl Mitchell. Uh, he plays mm-hmm. young Tommy, uh, Tommy Weber. That uh, him and uh, and Sam Rockwell give the movie like a really whacked out energy kind of thing. That is like uh, really welcoming kind of like those two performances in particular could have been so annoying. But are so great like uh particularly like uh sam rockwell and it like number one the decision to just call him guy is very <laughs> clever but you know like that idea that he's very self-aware that he's the guy that gets killed yeah but that's what i thought i was the crewman that stays on the ship and something is up there and it kills me but now i'm thinking i'm the guy who gets killed by some monster five minutes after we land on the planet you're not gonna die on the planet guy i'm not What's my last name? It's, uh, um, uh, Nobody knows! So he's always, like, thinking about the meta as well, of mm-hmm. what's happening, so it gives it another layer. <clears throat> I think that special effects have aged particularly well. And uh, this movie, like, this time watching it, um, made me uh, yearn for uh, melodic scores again. You know, mm-hmm. like, you you miss that kind of thing. You, you were mentioning that you... You were watching Jurassic Park yesterday with your neighbors. And the music... Speaking of great practical effects as well. (laughs) 
the soundtrack for Jurassic Park is quite possibly the best soundtrack of all time, I think. Like, genuinely. What a great movie. But you have, like, a, a similar kind of vibe of 90s movies, I suppose. Jurassic Park is a good comparison that is, like, has the special effects for, like, the wonder, but it also, like, it still has that wonder, you know, the even when they reveal the spaceships here like mm. the music just swells and you get into like the mindset of the characters of being in space you know like you know like now it's just taken for granted oh yeah they're in space or whatever the fuck oh yeah it's space oh, we can do anything look at this boom exploded took me two minutes <laughs> to do in blender fuck you but you know like back in the day it's like you still had that and i don't know if it is like cynicism of the audiences or our filmmakers i think it's studios rather than the like because every time that mm-hmm. a fucking movie comes out that is like bill and ted that is like again coming from this movie that is just like sincere and not cynical people go like oh isn't that refreshing and amazing and it's like yeah there's a market for that too like And like, I do like cynical movies and movies that are completely pessimistic. Like, I love that kind of movie as well. But I don't think that is all I want to watch. And mm. I think like a bit of color in a, like, this is like, it's a colorful movie. Like the, the, like the sets are just simple, but well-designed kind of thing. You know, like there's a lot of memorable moments uh, throughout kind of thing both in performance and visually and stuff i think that there's a difference between like the villain being one-dimensional and sigourney weaver's character being one-dimensional i think that the villain being one-dimensional is more a result of like the meta of the storytelling that they're using that he is he's the villain out of the first uh, of the Star Trek reboot, yeah, like, like it's it actually kind kind of comical. <laughs> yeah, for are. a second there, I went to check the the cast. It's like, is it like Carl Orban or Eric Bana again? It's like one of these <laughs> yeah. like Australian actors that they always get to play fucking made up villains. But yeah, like I th- I think that is a movie that like it made me smile watching it again. And it's like like I said, it's like it's really difficult for a movie I think to pull off what this movie does of being both a loving send-off and parody in a way of Star Trek, but also work in itself as a Star Trek movie. So without further ado, and uh, for the first time, because this is about when uh, (laughs) we run out, uh, we realized that we had technical difficulties. Uh, What did you think of Galaxy Quest? Uh, are you aware that there is a documentary about the making of Galaxy Quest called Never Surrender? <laughs> no. Is it, have you seen um, it? No, I watched the trailer for it earlier and uh, it looks like a perfect, like, it. I, I don't think it's a good movie. Like, or a good documentary by the trailer. The trailer looks a bit ridiculous. But um, going by reviews of it um, and one particular review on space.com, I trust their opinion. Um, <laughs> 
they it's apparently really sweet because um it was made after alan rickman died because i think he died in 2016 yeah. i'm gonna say uh and they all talk really lovingly about him and how great it was to work with him and how he's such a like you know amazing actor but also just a lovely guy um which sounds about right um i was actually i was really looking forward to this because um we'd watched a lot of like heavy serious sci-fi like uh we watched devs did you watch devs no the um it's actually really good um is that i think it's amc but it's um it's alex garland the guy who did ex machina and uh wrote um, the beach yes wrote the beach and 28 days later and lots of other things but um it's really really good it's it's a great series um allison pill isn't it and i love her um and then we started watching uh raised by wolves the hbo show um which is good yeah i don't know my tolerance for you know post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic super serious um (laughs) my face is kind of waning currently so i was like yeah cheesy 1999 uh star trek party um unfortunately um this left me like really cold and I don't really know why. Like we were so excited to watch it, and it's on, it's on Prime, um, or Netflix, one of the two. So we were like, "Oh yeah, don't even have to download it. Yeah, put it on on like a Wednesday night." Um, and yeah, I paused it because I was making uh, stock for ramen because uh, we'd made a duck and I was making duck stock. Oh nice! And I paused to like strain it. And then, like, for the we didn't watch the last 10 minutes, and then a couple of days later, I was like, oh, we should probably watch the last 10 minutes. And we were like, oh, yeah, and we put it on. And we were like, oh, there we go, it ended. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> reading about well, it. Well, in fairness, I think that Alex's uh, take is pretty much the same. That she was like, I can see why, she said, I can see yeah. why you would like it, but I didn't like it that much, I think. Yeah, it, and like, I, you know, you know I'm not a massive star trek fan like i've only kind of seen the odd episode here or there and you know i've seen the the reboot and you know but i have a lot of affection for it um and i love all the kind of things that have been inspired by it i really like guardians of the galaxy you know i'd like say like the black mirror episode and uh we did try to watch picard um that's not star trek that's not star trek <gasps> Dear God, it was so bad. Anything that is um, fucking what's his fake Kurtzman touched is not Star Trek. <laughs> um, Picard fucking runs around like a seventy-year like what fucking Patrick Stewart <laughs> is like a hundred and fifty now. Uh, he's running around doing action scenes, killing people. When Picard in the TV show was the co-reasonable guy that didn't have even friends within the crew because he was too like intellectual about things like he never got emotional and he was just like a diplomat like Mm he's like star trek the tv like the next the uh, next generation is the bald diplomat the tv show in space (laughs) bald diplomat in space the tv show Yeah, I like I don't I don't know a massive amount about um uh like all the, the show like the previous show and Patrick Stewart's character and stuff. But we, we put on the episode anyways because like Tom's really excited about it and then we were just like, 
no. No, no, <laughs> This no. is terrible. Even the whole thing with, like, Data, like, his character and stuff made no sense. Well, like, it makes and... no sense because he doesn't like Data in the ne- the next-gen show. He never trusted him because he was an android, like, a, a mm-hmm. cyborg or whatever. And then suddenly it's like, the whole... Fo- it's like, did you even watch the TV show this is a sequel for? <laughs> you know, like, I have... A, like, I'm not one of these people that have seen every next-gen TV show episode or whatever. Like, uh, mm. like... Uh, I, uh, I sporadically watched like most of Star Trek, but it was like back in the day before streaming. Mm. So I'd be like, okay, it's on at five o'clock in the afternoon. I'll watch it. And because most of the sh- episodes were standalone, I wouldn't even be able to position where in what season something was on, you know, mm. like uh, it's not like Battlestar Galactica or something that is just fucking... But Battlestar Galactica is like I suppose this straddles the is the one show that was ma- managed to straddle the line of being an action show, but also deal mm. with just philosophy and morals and stuff like that. Which did you watch Battlestar Galactica? Yes, um, I always thought it was funny. Um, uh, I really enjoyed it. We, I didn't watch all of it. I remember watching like the first season, guys. Um, Gaius Balter, really yeah. Men. And then never, never really getting back to it. But um, yeah, like when I was watching this, I kind of just thought of a lot of other things that I wished I was watching, I suppose. Um, it is kind of like the Santa Claus in space um, where like a sort of like annoyed middle-aged man, he's a bit put out by the fact that he has to put on a costume and do, you know, play a role that he doesn't, he's not actually qualified for. But um. Yeah, like, I kind of, I can appreciate why people like this. Like, the film seems to be really, really adored. Like, even reading that article about the, um, uh, about the documentary and the articles titled, <laughs> What is the best Star Trek movie and why is it Galaxy Quest? <laughs> but, um, yeah, like. <laughs> In fairness to that is like, uh, it's more to, I, I suppose that's more, um, a judgment on the quality of mm. Star Trek movies. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I have I have no ill will towards this film. That's the thing. It's like I'm glad it exists. I think it has it has such a heart to it, uh, which I really appreciated. Like it was it was you know, it was a, a nice company for a while. But yeah, and like as I was watching it, I looked at, I looked back at my notes, um, and the only thing I had written down was what? whenever another actor that I recognized uh, popped up on screen, I was like, oh, Sam Rockwell! Oh, like, Enrico and... <laughs> like, oh, it was Keith Mars. Keith Mars can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. Like, like he's so like, good in this movie. Like, the, <laughs> like, his laughter will never make me stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> He just like that's another guy who weirdly just always looked like that. He was always just kind of like short and a little bit bald, because um, even because he's in like you know the early series of Veronica Mars and he's still in the the like the fourth season now. And he still pretty much looks the exact same, but he's just he's such a lovely guy that he's like funny and sarcastic. But he's just oh he's born to play that character. But uh, yeah, I mean, like Alan Rickman is great, and obviously he got to reprise this role whenever he was in um, uh, what do you call it, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, <laughs> which uh, another lovely movie that I quite like, even though I have no real 
I have no real kind of um, connection to the source material yeah. or anything. I've never really read any of those books or anything. But um, uh, yeah, and then obviously like Sam Rockwell, and then what do you call him? Who's in? Um, funny because we were talking about um, Mrs. Maisel. It's Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, because I'm yeah because I'm watching because um, I'm watching Gilmore Girls, but. Uh, yeah, it's funny whenever he popped up and I was like, oh my God, it's Abe. He's another guy who seems to have not aged. But um, yeah, like he's obviously lovely. He's great as well. And yeah, like, I mean, Sigourney Weaver, poor Sigourney Weaver. Like, I do love her and she does add a lot to the character. But yeah, it just, it just seems like such a waste because... Like there was room to do more with her, but yeah, you know, I think that's... it's uh, also like a Dutch, like uh, it gives me like such sadness. Like the career mm-hmm. of people like Sigourney Weaver or Jamie Lee Curtis that are just mm-hmm. amazing actors, but they just happen to come into prominence in an era that was not prepared mm-hmm. for them. Like, if you imagine like them coming, like, you know, if Alien came out today. Like, Sigourney Weaver's career would be, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, fucking top-notch kind of fucking... Because unless you were Meryl Streep, you don't have an acting career as a woman, mm-hmm. like... And I'm not saying this because, like, saying that Meryl Streep is better than everybody else. But it's just, like, you see, like, the shelf life of, like, women Hollywood, particularly in the 90s, there's, like, the old joke that fucking... In 1990, mm-hmm. Sally Field played the character that was the love interest of Tom Hanks in the movie. And then four years later, he, she's playing his mom. Like, mm-hmm. with barely any makeup on. And it's like... Um, yeah, you're you're the mother now. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like... Oh, yeah, we transition now that you play mothers. You're no longer the romantic lead. And that's the only two roles uh, an actor or a female actress can can have in Hollywood mm. so like I think that in a way it, it's nice to see that things like that don't ha- happen as much it still happens but you can see like people like Chloe Grace Moretz and stuff that mm. they're able to pick good roles like even Saoirse Ronan or something is a good example like the oh, Queen Saoirse you know what I mean that it's like you're able mm. to go and find characters that still not as like widely available to women as it is to men but it's not oh, God. Uh, but it's not anymore the fact that like now you can you might be able to find them if you're looking for them but before mm. th- those roles just they weren't there feel, they still feel though because like holy god that scene in little women when Serge ronan's like women they they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts and they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty and I'm so sick of people saying that that love is just all a woman is fit for I'm so sick of it oh my god I cried so much because that scene feels so like ah, like it, it it feels so rare and then there's the, also the line at the end as well that makes it realistic as well that she's like yeah I I want to be just the strong female woman that is like more than just marriage but also I'm very lonely because it's a society completely mm. built around the idea of marriage so as your friends get married you're just progressively left alone and behind especially back then and I think that mm. that makes it more like particularly the 
film rather than just like giving like little message going like pounding like it made it realistic because you you can be both you can be both somebody that would wish that you weren't just suited for marriage but also the fact that you've grown up in a society that teaches you that a woman is worth is to be with a man um you also need companionship so I, did I tell you like uh, this is a way to link sci-fi and Little Women? Did mm-hmm. I tell you about my experience when I went to the cinema the second time to watch Little Women? No. I, I went with my mom. Like I took my mom. I was like, I watched Little Women the first time in the cinema. I was like, this is fucking awesome. My mom will love it. I'll take my mom. We're watching and there's like some scene that they're just fucking in a house somewhere or whatever and it's like obviously the movie set during the american civil war and i'm like i didn't fucking remember that this that like there were explosions and shit so close by like this makes no sense historically like this is set in upstate new york there's Mm -hmm. there were no battles in upstate new york in the american civil war like my fucking galaxy brain (laughs) like nerd mode and then it took me a second to realize that the sound like it was like one of the tiny screens in view in Liffey Valley so the sound of the big screen playing Star Wars next to us was bleeding into Little Women and it was so distracting afterwards as well because it's like fucking poor like fucking Beth is yeah like poor Beth is dying and it was like typical man always trying to inject themselves into the world yeah, like just elbowing and it's like but but what about me <laughs> there's a great quote from um i can't remember if it was someone talking about um portrait of a lady on fire um and whenever the like <laughs> whenever the one male character shows up for like a second oh, yeah. and you're like what are you doing here get out uh, well, yeah it was uh, an actor in uh, like uh, what was his name i can't remember like i, I remember oh was... andy sandberg yeah that's the one yeah yeah randomly enough i saw palm springs the other day like it's really good i quite enjoyed it yeah you enjoyed it more than this then <laughs> yeah i mean <clears throat> like i haven't seen i haven't seen bill and ted um like any of them the new one or anything but i'm um, like this guy he seems like a kind of a solid workhorse director because like he's done episodes of loads of tv like because he's doing like just like four episodes of justified uh masters of sex um grace and frankie i don't know if you've seen any of grace and frankie no i haven't no yeah like but it's, it's something that i it's like i think it's probably from the script that uh, something i wanted to mention that like in bill and ted face the music there's a criticism that people have been throwing out like blanket that even like in the good reviews they say oh the the young billy ted because like the there's two girls playing their daughters they go like oh mm-hmm. they're like a one joke kind of thing that they're just like the same as their parents and i was like did they watch the same movies i did because it's like their mannerisms match a lot but they're mm-hmm. like so different as characters as like the older Bill and Ted kind of thing. They're like completely different people, but they share mannerisms and it's like, okay, like in my head, it's like if your parents had the really fucking distinct mannerisms and you spend a lot of time with them and you're really close to your parents, you'd inherently mm-hmm. borrow f- 
few of them like I've borrowed mannerisms from my family you know even in the experience of like living in Uruguay I talk with my hands more than like an Irish person does you know and it's it's not a matter that is like oh it's just because I have like Uruguayan genes it's just because I grew up watching people fucking going like this all the time and I like fucking <laughs> Ricardo was gesturing with his hands but but that's what I mean that it's like I think that with the, the the like it hasn't really warmed again like I think that it's something that is a throw line between this movie and that movie that it has like actual like real heart and the idea of being because like Bill and Tell is all about like their whole motto is like be excellent to each other and party <laughs> on dudes and it's like <laughs> the line that I can draw between uh, this movie and uh, and Bill and Ted other than the director is uh on the poster um keanu reeves has like you know the long hair and everything and for some reason on all the marketing material he looks like snape yeah like (laughs) it's it's really strange he's got like his his face not just the hair like his face is snape it's really bizarre (laughs) which is funny because having seen uh the third um what do you call it movie uh, John Wick. Uh, yeah, the third John Wick movie. Um, Jonathan. Even though he's definitely he's definitely aged, um, I have a lot of heart, a lot of affection for the third one because it was while sitting in the cinema about to see the third John Wick movie is when I got my email from the Canadian government saying that they had given me my visa. So <laughs> I thought that was quite a, a special moment. God damn but, it! Uh, uh, I don't like it anymore. This movie. <laughs> Well, who knows? Maybe we, maybe we'll not be able to get our PR applications in, and we'll get kicked out. <laughs> no, like I, I joke. Stay there. Don't mm-hmm. come the fuck back here. <laughs> so, like the, this uh, movie's attempt to make you feel better clearly have failed. Yeah, I mean, you know, it didn't make me feel bad. Um, I didn't dislike it. I, there's a lot of laughs in it. Like, def, I definitely did enjoy it. Um, I, I did find the aliens a little bit annoying after a while, um, I have to say. But, you know, it, uh, it it's fun. I, like, I enjoyed the like, predictable script because it's like, whenever they're talking about it, they're like, oh, it, it reverses time for 17 minutes. And you're like, oh, I wonder when that's going to come seconds. back up. Or 13 seconds. Yeah, yeah then Tim Mullen makes sure that he was like, that's long enough to undo a mistake. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I don't really have much of a feeling for for Tim Allen. Like, I think other than this and the Santa Claus and Toy Story, I don't think I've really, really seen him in much else, which is probably a good thing. But um, see, yeah, like he's, he's similar to James Woods, that he's really oh fucked up oh as God. a person, but at the same time, James Woods is talented enough. To make you forget about that. Like Tim mm-hmm. Allen in the very, very specific role can maybe get away with it, but just about. Mm-hmm. Like um James Woods I find I find his Twitter is a good litmus test. Uh, for people so if you look on their twitter and they've retweeted a james james woods tweet you can tell that they are in fact full of shit entirely but uh any closing thoughts before i'm sorry that uh it didn't it didn't land well i did try well like it's that kind of movie like we said that is like i suppose it's especially for us it has to 
like sometimes uh, requires like that you watch the movie the right the, the at the right time uh, yeah. to capture you but also sometimes it's that kind of like je ne sais quoi the, like mm. like we, we mentioned before and that we will keep mentioning the guardian as a good mm-hmm. example of this that is like completely yeah. predictable screenplay just like run of the male filmmaking is like fucking standard coverage and everything <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> there's like, in that movie there's like... absolutely nothing that is like oh yeah like <laughs> how did they shoot the the storms it's like oh yeah it is uh, it looks like the perfect storm but with no george clooney how do you choose who to save i swim as fast and as hard as i can for as long as i can and the sea takes a rest But it just works somehow. And I think that a lot of this kind of filmmaking is like part of it is like the enjoyment of being able to shut off your brain and like see, mm-hmm. like know that the movie is going like, oh, yeah, they're planting this, this planting this. And in a way, like being able to see the clockwork behind, like, you know, like a better I movie know. would fucking hide this. But at the same time, it's like, you know, <laughs> In a way, it feels safe when you know that they're planting stuff for the future rather than just randomly things pop in. You know, like like a lesser movie of that type would just mention the the thing 13 and then they turn it on and it just happens to do the past thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the past thing. The, the time <laughs> travel thing, yeah. yeah. Another Bill and Ted <laughs> thing. It's kind of like comforting. It's kind of like, you know, it's mm. like eating like a slightly overcooked stew. <laughs> I don't know how you can cook overcook stew, but I'm going with that. <laughs> That's very food wishes of you. Um, it did make me think of something like Looper. That's like just kind of it's not asking you to take it too seriously it's just kind of like wearing all its influences on its sleeve um but at the end of the day is a very enjoyable romp (laughs) is kind of how i felt about it uh i do prefer looper more than this um even though like i do have to give a shout out to the premise like the it, it is it is brilliant it's you can imagine somebody just thinking like what if the aliens thought William Shatner was real <laughs> like it's, it's perfect <laughs> and even like the scene whenever the the alien um the alien warlord has worked out what's going on and he's like that that's a great performance as well because he's just like hold on a minute <laughs> you think <laughs> and it kind of breaks your heart a little bit because and like, it's so even how he forces them to tell the aliens yeah, as well I know. that it's like it's like oh there's that kind of like so extra little bit of zest added to the screenplay that I was like, <laughs> because this could have been like very much just a movie that is forgotten by everybody. It's just a, mm. there's just enough there to, in my opinion, coming back for more. But mm. I just thought that in that, within that field of uh, Hollywood filmmaking, it was also like a movie that is not just trying to get your enjoyment out of it, that it has like meta layers and it's like more complicated mm. than just an adventure ride kind of thing. The, 
that's why I picked it. Yes. Hmm. No, I I did enjoy it. Um, and it is like <laughs> it it is nice to have a little bit of escapism. Um, and something that's kind of a solid and has a a very like the world building is great. Not just in the like alien side of things, but even like the the like the convention and stuff having been to an actual star trek convention um like that stuff they they really like get the nail on the head and even like the like justin long as the the nerdy kid um and like his parents and everything and just like the little bits of him having to go out and put out the garbage and stuff and you know adds a little bit of like tension and um yeah no i did really enjoy it Sort of. Sort of, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> like, it seems to me that your approach is that this was harmless kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. And I like that, that kind of surprised me because I've tried to put on a few comedies recently and just been unable to get through them. Like I put on um, Longshot, that uh, Charlie's Throne. Oh, yeah, me and um, Alex watched it. It was very... Um, um, how can I put it? Um, yeah. Like, and it just, I was like, just try harder, guys. Try harder. I couldn't even get through it. Because the thing is, like, they have two really likable actors. I, like, really, really liked both those actors. And I thought they had a lot of chemistry. And it was just, eh. it's like, oh, the, the president's really stupid. How stupid is he? He's like an absolute dolt. <laughs> it's like, oh. <sighs> but, uh, yeah. Well, like, but yeah, it, it, it was quite funny that that's the the premise on that is exactly the same premise as uh, the Ukrainian president right now. <laughs> like an actor that played the yeah. president, and then he gets the it's, actual role. It's kind of like watching Veep or something, you know, and like, no, you're kind of like, yeah, but I mean. Oh, I do actually really want to see. Uh, speaking of Veep, and uh, I want to watch the uh, the thing about the the Comey rule. Yeah, have you seen the trailer for that? Yeah, um, which uh, according to reviews is quite good, but also is almost like unbelievable, despite being based on actual fact and is like plays very close to Comey's actual book and stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, so, what was your favorite thing? My favorite thing is Alan Rickman. I think that, like, uh, even rewatching now, I think it was the first time I've watched it since he passed away. Like, just the way that he's like, no, are you fucking say it's, it's, it's saying the like by the hammer of Gravner, and then when the when the alien that is like his fan start like gets killed after he gets shot, oh, and fucking so Rickman is like so in there i'm like oh my god like he gives it so much weight and then you're like you understand it but then it's the same bit that is like it works within the meta and sells it that is the idea that is like yeah now we're getting weight but like at the same time this is still a fucking fake line because i'm still watching a move (laughs) you know like it's not that you say this shit really to like some dude that is dying you know and what i love about Rickman is that he's there playing a thespian that is thinking like what the fuck am i doing with my life i was in this crappy sci-fi tv show and 
a lot of like thespian actors like if it was like anthony hopkins you could tell like he'd be like i'm above this material but like rickman (laughs) is like this is where i live baby this is like (laughs) it's like fucking like the whatever he's doing the american accent in the in the die hard it's like oh no oh no don't shoot like uh, fucking love him like I, i love that he's able to do this and then like the next year, he does Sense and Sensibility. For there is nothing lost that may be found if sought. Oh my god, what a fucking movie. I love that movie so much. There's there's not a there's not a bad thing in that film. Like every performance is knocked out of the park. The script is on fire. Like fucking Emma Thompson, well deserved Oscar. Like what a fucking star. Love that movie so much. Oh Wake him. What was your favorite no, thing? Willoughby. Um I think the cast probably. Like it really is. Like it's just there's not a bad note in it like it really is it's really good and like, every person every time they turned up i was like <gasps> and then yeah it was yeah it was just like they were all good company i very much enjoyed them um but yeah i mean i do feel bad for Zagurney weaver but uh yeah i think uh good I, solid I stuff that's <laughs> what's your least favorite thing in the movie <laughs> yeah per per, per Zagurney weaver um yeah it's it, they, they nearly got away with it and then like at the very end when like her like her bra is out and you're just like guys you know it's as if they're kind of like you know it's like oh this this is for the fans you know and you're like oh shut up it's night and it's 1999 guys but uh it is the kind of film that reminds you that 1999 was not that long ago but Quite long ago in a lot of ways. <laughs> at times, I think that it's like, oh, yeah, there were more innocent times. But I think at the same time, it's like, yeah, I just think people were less informed about things. Because, like, people yeah. go like, oh, the early 90s when Clinton was in the White House. It's like, yeah, there was still, like, the fucking AIDS pandemic. He bombed the shit out of so many countries. Yeah. Like, Africa was going through, like, a massive fucking drought. And it, I think it was just easier for people, particularly white middle class people, to... Uh just avoid all the bad things that were going on i think is the the real like because people were comparing it to like 1968 and stuff as well and it was like you know technically 1968 was worse because like you know vietnam was happening and you know there were more protests and riots and they were also more deadly but at the same time you know there was only like one news station and <laughs> you had to wait until the newspaper got printed every day and it's like yeah 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 back when there was a news cycle yeah what was your least favorite thing? <laughs> well, like, I, I agree with you. It's like, uh, I think it's the only, like, like all the other flaws become almost like features because mm. it's like the movie has a charm. It's kind of like Raggedy Dog as well, but at the same time, really well established because it is at the end of the day, like a movie made to a smaller budget that usually the movie would be made to. Mm. But, but like like I said before, it's aged remarkably well considering that. Yeah, uh, except for the but like the PS one graphics whenever the ship is landing, <laughs> you see like the the build, like the LA skyline in the background, and it's like yeah, no fucking smog will make fucking buildings look like that. It's like two <laughs> pixels, 
like the uh, but like besides that like the considering that it's a movie with a lot of special effects from 1999 it's remarkable mm. that the like it reminds me a lot of the special effects in the um, another movie of around that time that uh, but i think that is a far superior movie which is starship troopers but that we also done in the podcast but but i think it's similarly to starship troopers is that kind of movie that like knows the influences and Mm -hmm. is making a commentary on those influences but obviously like Paul Verhoeven is a far more interesting filmmaker than anybody involved in this movie. Like, uh, yes. but like, but I'm not like dissing is that Paul Verhoeven is just like one of the most interesting filmmakers of his generation. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like the, the let's call it sexual politics of the movie are particularly, but because even with the aliens, they don't get away with it. Like that the one female character also has to be a lot of interest is like, yeah. And they have a kind of a weird sort of a sexy moment. <laughs> that's a bit kind of like, good for you guys. <laughs> it's like, let's go. That's a bit weird in this PG movie. But, yeah, uh, then uh, it's very strange also because like some Rockwell is there like in the corner like a voyeur <laughs> with his like, little like creepy mustache. <laughs> it's like, my God, he hasn't aged a bit. Like, uh, it's so bizarre. We were I saying about like, like uh, about like uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis. Is like I was watching a video the other day about the knives out or whatever and i was like god jesus like jamie lee cordis i wish she was more on this kind of movie like Mm, instead of halloween reboots yeah cool so uh where can they find us ricardo they can find us on facebook the recommendation game they can find us on twitter at the rec game the email is the recommendation game at gmail.com and you can find us every second Monday, 11 to 12 on Dublin Digital Radio. And you can listen to our back episodes on iTunes, your podcaster of choice. And some of them are in the Dublin Digital Radio Mixed Cloud. Some of them. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to support independent Irish radio, even those recorded internationally, you can donate to the Dublin Digital Radio Patreon. So Orla is picking the movie for next week. What is the movie you it's are a picking? Movie about a teenage girl. It is eighth grade by a YouTuber. Uh, what's his name? Bo Burnham. Bo, Bo Burnham. Yeah. So original YouTuber before YouTubers yeah. became an awful force for evil. Uh, yeah. Well. Before they started uh, recording dead bodies in Japanese forests and making fun of them. It's just a humor. It's just humor. Um, well, until then, I was Orna McNeilis. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks, Dad. <laughs>